This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Catch our live broadcast every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at mixlr.com forward slash B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. I am the true vine and my father is the husband. By the way, we are still on the same topic. True worship. Hallelujah. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Hallelujah. These young children, or whatever husband, man, they think husbands, and you know. <laughs> I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Hallelujah. Yeah, he's not talking about wives and husbands. Hallelujah. He's the one, the gardener. Let's go on. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Amen. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. you have, so he, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Hallelujah. Go on. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we can continue. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Tell your neighbor nothing. Nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not that you can do a few things. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So that means when you're outside of him, you're doing a lot of nothing. You might actually be thinking you're doing something, but you're doing a lot of nothing. As far as kingdom valuation is concerned. Hallelujah. Amen. A sack of... eh? White ant feathers eh? might look very big, but it is a whole bunch of nothing. Hallelujah. They can fill it up nicely, and you look at it until they tell you to use it as a mattress. Then you will feel every inch of the ground on which it has been laid. Says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know that there are a lot of people in church who are doing a lot of nothing? There is people that have been going to church and they've been doing a lot of nothing. But they're very busy. They're very busy and they're doing, but they're doing nothing. Nada. (laughs) A bunch of nothing. Because as long as you're not in him, it is all a waste of time. Because he says the time is coming and now is when those who worship me will not worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Amen. So sometimes you can sing and sing a bunch of nothing. Because you are not in the spirit, neither were you in the word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 
You know, there are some songs I hear, and it is no longer someone worshipping a great and awesome God, but it is the impudent familiarity of a carnal love. Hallelujah. Yes, you hear the song and you realize, "Mm -mm, this is impudent familiarity. Because we are talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of the whole earth. There is a protocol to how he is approached. We must, you see, you can't decide to worship God according to your own standard. You have to worship him according to his standard. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It is like, you know, when you deal with Ugandan builders, they're very interesting. You give him an instruction, then he decides to do his own thing. You're like, no. I bought everything. It's my house. I'm telling you to do it this way. You're telling me, no, you want to do it the other way. I find it very amazing. You come back and like, <laughs> because it's, you're thinking, what I told you was this. I came back and you did something else. Break it. Do it again. Some of us are exactly like that with God. It's like, I gave you, I told you how to worship me. You've decided to come and do it in your own way. And you, know, you don't realize you've done a bunch of nothing. Do you know how terrible? You see, I came to realize that the day of judgment is there's going to be a lot of tears by believers. Not because they are being condemned. No. Because they'll still pass through. Paul says the the works will be tried by fire and some will escape eh? like they're just smelling of smoke. But they will escape. Yeah. The problem is realizing that you've spent 30 years in salvation and all of it has been burnt. You have nothing to show. You are at the throne empty-handed. There's that song we used to sing a lot, but for me it used to just bother me. Majesty, majesty, your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed but alive in your hands. I'm like, ha, Lord, I really don't want to come to that day. And I'm just alive but empty-handed. And realize that everything I did got burnt. He examined the motives. I was like, "Mm, you just wanted people to see you. And that burns. Then he looks at some other stuff you did and he says, that is not according to my instructions. It's not what I wanted. Break it down. Sometimes I feel for the builder. Because he spent the whole day working, then you tell him, break it down. That's not what I told you to do. But however sorry I feel for him, I can't let him leave me with the thing that I didn't tell him to do. Because I gave an instruction, he did his own thing. And we are like that with God. He prescribed how he's worshipped. You just have to amble a little bit into Revelation. And it describes the throne room of God. And you have elders. And they are sitting on thrones. And they have golden crowns. Hallelujah. 
Tell your neighbor, golden crowns. So these guys are serious. They are important. 24 thrones on which they are elders who have golden crowns. They have achievements. Hallelujah. And you know what the revelation describes? They get their crowns and cast them down. Then they themselves get off of those thrones and do what? And worship. That alone should be the first indication to you of what worship is meant to be like. You must cast down your achievements. You must cast down your sense of importance, of who you think you are, of of the dignity you think you have. You must cast down your sense of, oh, this is who I am. This is, you know, we are not like that. I remember one time I was leading praise and worship. And I got to a point, I said, everyone get up, start dancing. After service, this one guy walked up to me and said, you know, we Chinese, we don't dance like that. I told him, I don't care how Chinese dance. I care that the kingdom says, dance to the Lord. You dance off rhythm, but dance. Said, you know, our culture, we are not loud. I said, well, the Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I don't know what culture you are in, but there is a new culture you are adopted into. It's a kingdom culture. Hallelujah. When you are adopted into a new family, you adapt the culture of the new family you are into. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we worship God not according to what we want, but according to what he wants. They cast their golden crowns, which means when they come to God, they are no longer Professor X. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are no longer Dr. Y, chairman of the board Z. Huh? When they are in, when they are in the presence of the Lord, hmm? they are no longer Director T. Hallelujah. When they come to the presence of the Lord, all that stuff, you throw it down and you worship. It doesn't matter if your employees attend the same church. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You, You get down on that floor and you worship. Hallelujah. In fact, what it means is that you may come and you are the boss and your employee is the one leading worship. And you are the one on the floor where they are. Because when you came to church, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's only one boss in church. The Holy Ghost. None else. Not even the pastor. Hallelujah. Says, if you're you're not in me, you've done what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, sometimes when people read it, they say, you can do nothing. They're like, but we are doing, so we must be in him. No, it just means what you are doing is nothing. It's not automatic that just because you came to church, you are in him. No. It's not automatic. You know, some people think that having the presence of God in church is just a matter of declaring it. The presence of the Lord is here and you think it just shows up. 
No. The presence of the Lord is not one of just declaring. Oh, the presence of the Lord is here. I've had some people say it and I'm like, eh, I must be the only one who is missing him. And you realize they're as dry as firewood. They're just waiting for a fire to consume them. Dry. Dry. Like those California trees that catch fire every summer. Dry. Completely. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's first go back to King James. Hallelujah. Verse 6 in the King James. I'm reading verse 6 in the King James because the NLT doesn't bring it out so well. It says, I am the vine. Oh, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, the thing to really understand about this is this. Look, it says, if he abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. What you need to understand is that it is not the tree that casts forth the branch. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. The branch by not abiding dries up and falls off on its own. Hallelujah. Yeah. When the branch ceases to be connected and ceases to receive nutrients, it dries of its own and falls off. And of course, once it falls off, men gather them and can burn them. So he's literally saying, when you stop allowing his life to flow in you and the Holy Ghost, you you just dry up. And before long, things the world starts bashing you. Things start going wrong and you can't explain it. And most people, the more things go wrong, the more they, they intensify their efforts in the world. Instead of doing the other way around. You do some things, things are not working, you take a second job. Then a third job. You do more hours at work. You put in more effort. And things just get worse. They get harder. You go for this conference and the other conference and the other training workshop. and You keep looking for methods out there. And he's saying, just come back and abide. Just come back and connect. And receive again life. So you make yourself vulnerable to being burned up by the world. In fact, the primary cause of burnout is simply not abiding. Hallelujah. If you find yourself burning out in ministry, you've just not been abiding. You, you, You have been on reserves for a very long time and now the reserves are empty. Sometimes we minister and we've been ministering on reserves. You know when you cut a branch off, it doesn't dry immediately. It remains green for a while. In fact, some remain green for a really long time. We cut that thing. There's some tree we cut, we put it over there. The thing has taken forever to rot. The stamp has been there. I've been like, man, thing has taken forever. It is rotting, just very slowly. For some people... It takes so long for you to even realize 
that you were cut off a long time ago and you're slowly rotting. You don't realize it because it is so gradual. You keep going through the motions. The Bible says of Samson, he did not know that the Spirit of God had departed. You see, this is what had happened to Samson. He desensitized himself so much to the Holy Spirit by his lifestyle that by the time the Holy Spirit actually left, he could not even tell anymore. He surrendered so much to the lusts of his flesh and everything he wants that he deadened the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul talks about and he says, quench not the Spirit. Or he talks of those who says their conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. What has happened? They live so much of a certain lifestyle that they get to a point where the Holy Spirit even stops convicting them. They are dry and they don't know it. So Samson shook himself like he normally would and realized, hmm, this time, this time, there's no help for him. And you know what happens when that happens to you? They take your eyes. Because the world is just waiting. They took his eyes. Taking your eyes is that amount to taking your vision. When you stop abiding, you find that you are now treading water. You're not going anywhere. You're just in one place. Hallelujah. It is like running on a treadmill. It tells you you've done five miles, but you've actually not gone anywhere. You've been in the same spot. It tells you today you've done a five-mile run. From where? You've actually not left. You're still in the same place. You can be there treading water. You're in the same place. You're on a treadmill. You're not making progress anymore. But because you are so busy, you think you're achieving something, but you've not moved. Because somewhere along the way, you stopped. You lost your eyesight. How did you lose your eyesight? You became so deadened that when the the enemy came, you never even noticed that the presence of God had departed, that the Holy Ghost had gotten to a point where he stopped striving with you and he said, "Ah, you know what? You do what you want. Just do what you want. And he leaves you. And because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, You don't notice. One of the things we don't realize is the Holy Ghost had left Samson well before then. What he was still in was the gift which was resident in the hair. But the presence had left. Because had the presence still been around, he would have realized when the presence has gone. But long ago, from the first wife, the one who they convinced to tell the answer to the riddle, Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because you don't read scriptures. Hallelujah. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. I like this one. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So that means that you can be and not be a disciple. 
Why? Because the word disciple comes from the, from the Greek word discipulus, which means discipline. So a disciple is one who is disciplined. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So you can be a convert. You can be a follower when you're not a disciple. Because disciples sat at their master's feet. And they learned from their masters. And they did as they saw their master do. That's why they were called disciples. So when these people followed Jesus and walked with him, that's why, don't you find it interesting, all the way from Sunday school, we used to talk about the 12 disciples of Jesus. Yeah? But the guy used to have multitudes following him. Why did we talk about the 12 disciples? The other ones were just followers. They were not disciples. God has called us. That's why he said, go and make what? Ah, some people are sleeping. Go and make? Go and make? Let me hear it loudly. Go and make? Aha. Again, go and make? Yes. Amen. So you are called to be a disciple. Worshipping is literally what discipleship is about. And true worship is in spirit and in truth. And he says, thy word is truth. Which means you worship him in the word. Hallelujah. You worship him in what? But in the word. Music is a method. Hallelujah. Not the actual worship. It is just a method. Don't let the method overwhelm the purpose. Hallelujah. Don't let the method become more important than the purpose. It's just a method. Hallelujah. In the U.S., when they are building storied houses, they don't pour slabs like we do here. Yeah. We have a storied house. It doesn't have a slab. Hallelujah. They use wood. Yes, they use wood. You can have a multi-storied apartment block. There's not a single slab. There's not a single concrete slab board. They use wooden beams and wooden boards. And it's multi-storied. And it is stable. Here we pour concrete and iron bars and all these things. Man, here the slab costs like the whole house. Do you know what? At the end of the day, they are both storied buildings. It's just a difference in methods. My house is just as double-storied as Nabuketa's over there in the U.S. Yeah? Different methods. Don't let the method overtake the purpose. Hallelujah. We could have a season of worship by just coming up here and reciting poetry. We come here and we say today we are reciting Psalms. Psalm 103 and we go. Psalm 105 and we go. Hallelujah. And say we worshipped. Amen. 
Why? Because we must touch the heart of what worship is. You know when they talk of the 24 elders, you don't read about harpists and guitarists and keyboardists. They just fall off their thrones and begin saying, holy, holy, holy are you Lord. And the scripture calls it worship. There's no Fred on the drums. Hallelujah. There's no Timo on the bass. No Binji over there doing his thing, running arpeggios. Hallelujah. Just the people who have seen the glory of God and it has overwhelmed them. They can't contain it. They just have to put all their achievements, everything they have on the ground and get before him and say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. They can't contain it. It's too much for them. Then they get up. They sit. After they've just sat and put the crown, they have barely put the crown back. They see another aspect of God. They throw it down and they once again, holy, holy. They're overwhelmed each time they look at him. They're overwhelmed by his beauty. They can't contain it. They have to bow. Shamaleko brezita. Can you imagine being, every time you get up, you see another aspect of him you've never seen before. You get back again. Then you see, wow, I hadn't seen that before. Because he's infinite. Each time you're seeing another facet of him, you're like, this is just too much. You bow again. And you declare his glory. The heavens and the earth declare the glory of our king. That is why worship is a lifestyle. It is not an event. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, worship is a lifestyle. Not an event. You live worship. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a lifestyle. And when we say it's a lifestyle, it doesn't mean you walk around with headphones all the time like Ronnie. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> huh? some people are going to think, oh, worship is a lifestyle. They have earbuds everywhere from morning to evening to morning again. No, when it says worship is a lifestyle, that means everything you do, you do it as unto God. You do it in a way that brings glory to Him. Hallelujah. It means when you eat, because you know you are worshiping God, you don't become a glutton. Hallelujah. Because you know it doesn't give Him glory for them to see you eating like a pig. Hallelujah. Hey. Amen. It means when you dress, you remember, I am dressing for him. Like, ha, if you were sitting right here, would I dress like this? Like, eh, kanzideyo. Material teyawe zebulunji. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, there are some people, they dress and I'm like, you know what? You need to go back to that shop. They cheated you. They didn't give you enough material. They gave you half the skirt. Go back and get the other half. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
you realize that everything you're doing is an act of worship. It's not just when you're here and you lift your hands and they say, let us worship him. That's when you close your eyes and you lift your hands. I exhort him. And immediately after that event is over, you lower them. Kuchino. Worship is a lifestyle. Hallelujah. It is a what? A lifestyle. Your words must worship him. Hallelujah. Your attitude must worship him. The way you do things must worship him. Because we worship him in spirit and in truth. And he says, they that are led of the spirit, they are the children of God. So you're constantly meant to be led of the spirit. That's why he says, let your words be seasoned with salt. Hallelujah. Gracious words. Hallelujah. Those are not seasoned words. Hallelujah. No. Worship him with how you say things. Yeah? With how you approach things. The attitude with which you do things. Let worship be your lifestyle. You'll be amazed. When you begin to realize that everything is an act of worship, by the time you get on stage, you just be doing what normally comes to you because it is your life. That's why he says, abide. Not visit. Abide. Meaning stay. Remain. Hallelujah. We're not looking for a visitation. We are looking for, and let me create a word, abideation. Hallelujah. We want him to come and stay. To come and remain. Which means, he says, remain in me and I remain in you. Don't you find it interesting? He doesn't say, I remain in you and you remain in me. Instead, it's the other way around. Remain in me and I remain in you. So the onus is on you. For him is already willing to remain. It is you who has to make a conscious choice to remain in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You make a conscious choice to do what? To remain. In Zechariah 1.1, 1, 1, he says it. He says, what is it? Return to me and I will return to you. It's not him. So, he's saying, hey, Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He's saying, it is, <laughs> return to me and I will return to you, saith the Lord. The first time I read it, I said, hey, okay. You mean all along, eh? For him, he's waiting. Don't you find it interesting? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The Holy Ghost will never force. Never. It is not in the nature and the character of God to force his way into your life. It's demons that force. They throw you down. They make you shout. They make you say all things. The Holy Ghost... He is gentle. He doesn't force you. Makes you say things you would never say in your own will. 
The Holy Spirit? Nope. He'll only speak through you when you allow him to. That's why a lot of people struggle with receiving the gift of speaking in tongues. Because they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to take control of their mouth and make them talk. And he says, no, they speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke? They are the ones who speak. Hallelujah. When I begin to speak in tongues, eh, he doesn't just open my mouth and make it talk. No. I am the one who opens my mouth. And as I speak, the utterance is coming. Le comprade superade. I just, all I'm doing is surrendering. If I don't surrender, he will not make me. Hallelujah. Even those times when we said, the Holy Ghost, he overwhelmed me. And what? The truth is, you made a choice to surrender. If you had refused, you would also have left you. Yeah. Even under the strongest anointing, you can resist the Holy Spirit and he will let you be. So it is never an issue of he has not done enough. Holy Spirit, just pour in a different way than before. In a very much more powerful way. No, it is you who needs to yield a lot more. Hallelujah. (laughs) It is not an issue of God not pouring out enough. It's actually an issue of you not yielding enough. There is always enough of him available. It's you who needs to yield. And that's why sometimes we let the music go longer. Because some people are so weighed down by their own thoughts, by their worries, by their concerns, by so many things that it takes them so much longer to let go and allow God to move. So you extend it and extend it so that, you know, over time as they go, they'll stop just mouthing words and begin to actually meditate on the words they're singing. And after time, then they begin, it, it, it sinks in and becomes real. Because most of you, when you start, it's actually a habit. You already know the song, so you sing it, but you don't think about the words. It's only later, probably three or four songs later, that you begin to actually meditate on those words. Because habit is very strong. How do I know that? It's very easy. When they sing a new song here, but it's on the screen, hmm? you sing it and you sing along. At the end of the service, you don't remember the words. That means you are not even thinking on them and what they mean. If you were truly meditating on them, at the end of the service, you'd still remember them. That's why the more technology has come in, the more you find that people can come to church for five years and they still don't know a single song completely. Because as long as the words are on screen, they are fine. Take them away from the screen. Finished. Because they've never meditated on them. Someone was asking me, but those hymns, how can you sing a hymn and you sing all four verses? You know why? Because, man, for me, those hymns are like summons. You sing the whole thing, eh? And you're like, wow. These guys have just taught an entire sermon on grace in one hymn. Think about it. Nariokane kusenga kwe omuroko zikatonda 
Chevu densa nyukanyimi nenjatura wensa nyuse. I'm thinking about those words. Nalioka nenguseka. Hmm? So then sometimes I, I, I'm reminded. Edana saga sagana kakanonte redekuye sichamuse ngukalina when you meditate on those words, I'm thinking, eh, edda nasakasa, chitufu, neka kano, I'm meditating on the words. They are, they are ministering to me. That's what they call worshipping in truth. The truth is ministering to my spirit. I am meditating on it. It's reminding me of his goodness, of his love. Bwemba nyono na nemwera vira Yesu tande kakula dala Ampita mango kumwe yunaye Eranzi jukizo kwa gala Man, that is a sermon on grace. Have you ever thought about it? Because it's saying, And Man, that is an amazing sermon on grace right there in verse and music. Our worship will change when we begin to meditate. And for you, the worship team, even the songs you choose will change because you pick a song and you go through the words and you're like, eh? mm-hmm. that tune is nice, but it is not worshipping. It is not speaking of him what he says of himself in his word. You're like, mm, this one is all emotionalism. It's all about me and me and me and me and me. Hallelujah. You know there are songs we sing and they're all about me and me. Touch me. Hold me. Surround me. Make me feel good. You know? You just say, I'm like, eh. But where is he in the whole mix? (laughs) And he's saying, no, 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 no. Worship me in truth. What does the word say about me? That's what you should be saying about me even in song when you worship. Hallelujah. Amen. You know there are songs we sing. We don't even think about their depth. Like today we're singing, Who am I that you are mindful? Yeah. <laughs> You just, you're not even thinking about it. Eh, who am I that you are mindful of me? As the scripture says, what is man that you are mindful of him? You have made him a little lower than Elohim. When, if you begin to meditate on these things, God Almighty, man, that's the part eh? you should be singing with some seriousness. God Almighty, King of 
glory. You've called me friend. I mean, there should be that sense of awe that God Almighty, the King of glory, has called me friend. Huh? That is serious. Some of you here, your whole life would be transformed if Trump tweeted that you are his friend. <laughs> you would you would save the tweet and share it on every group. Huh? If Trump Trump just tweeted now, huh? My friend Jamie Atageka and I just had a good lunch. Ay, 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 ay. You will retweet it and put it everywhere. And God Almighty, King of Glory, decides to call you his friend. Man, you should be broadcasting that everywhere. The king of glory, God Almighty, has chosen me. Do you know what it means? There are seven billion people on this planet. You, one out of seven billion. And he chooses to care about what bothers you. Here are seven billion others. But he cares. He even counts your tears and keeps them in a bottle. Hallelujah. He even says you're the apple of his eye. But he has 7 billion people. And that's if we're assuming he doesn't have others on other planets we don't know about. It's possible. Scripture doesn't tell us anything about it. It's possible. But even if we focused on only this little solar system of ours on this earth here, there's seven billion of us. The fact that he cares enough about you to make it personal should lead you to worship him all day long. Just thinking on it. The problem is we've not learned the art of meditation. The words just pass through us. We don't meditate on their depth, on what it really means. That this is a God of a hundred billion galaxies or more. And if you understood what a galaxy is, do you know how many solar systems are in a galaxy? The Milky Way galaxy is just one tiny galaxy out of very many. And in that one galaxy, there is billions of solar systems. And every solar system has very many planets. Hallelujah. So Earth is one planet in one solar system in a galaxy that is one tiny galaxy out of very many galaxies. Now do you begin to see it? So Earth, before we talk about you, yeah? Earth is one out of many trillion planets. And you, you are one out of seven billion out of... (laughs) Do you know what it means? That a God who is in control of all of that makes it personal. Makes it so personal that he says, even if you had been the only one, I would still have come and died for you. Now that should lead you to worship. Hallelujah. 
That should lead you to just lift your hands. I mean, now I, I begin to get a glimpse of what it means for those 24 elders. Because just to meditate on that little bit alone should make you just throw every crown and fall on the ground and say, you are worthy. You are worthy. In fact, it should lead you to a point where you're like, Lord, such love is too much for me. It's too much for me that I surrender myself to you completely. Just have your way. What do you want? Whatever you say. I mean, if you have all that and you've made it this personal, who am I to even think of not doing as you say? Who am I to even think? To I mean, do you know the biggest oxymoron I've ever found is to say, no, Lord. It's an oxymoron. How do you call him Lord and say no? Those two words cannot fit in the same sentence, in the same phrase. It's impossible. They don't, don't make sense. Because it ceases to be Lord the moment you say no. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When we begin to grasp this, and I'm praying that this sinks into your heart, not your head, but into your heart. Because it will change the way you serve. It will change the way you minister. It will change the way you do everything. You will no longer think you are doing Pastor Noah a favor to serve. Because I didn't die for you. In fact, I can assure you I am not willing to die for any of you. Ah, let me be honest. There is one who already died for you. Hallelujah. You will understand what a privilege it is. I've always found it amazing when people, even the ones, in fact, for, I know some, most of you maybe don't follow American politics. I do because I have no choice. I live there currently. Even the people who live offended with Trump and they resign always write and say, it was a privilege to serve my nation under this president. Even though they've called him all sorts of names, some of them have called him a fool and an idiot and other things, you know, you hear sometimes they write tell-all books afterwards. And they, but they still have this sense of it was a privilege to serve. And that's an earthly president of one nation on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. How much more to serve the King of Kings? The Lord of Lords. One, Trump has never died for anyone. He's still alive. Hallelujah. But one who died for you. He laid it all down. Now, when you begin to grasp that he has trillions of galaxies, in those galaxies, there's trillions of planets. Hmm? Then you begin to grasp how amazing it is that he can live that level of glory and come down and be born like you. And then to make it worse, be born in the most disgusting circumstances possible. Man, cut or smell. To be born in a manger, smelly place. Some of you, if you ever visit one of those Masai Manyatas, you will understand how it smells with cattle. 
Because those guys use cow dung for everything. Eh? The fences, you can smell a Masai Manyata from miles away before you arrive. I have some friends, they own a pig farm in Ohio. You know you are getting close to their home way before you are there. You can tell. Yeah, we are almost home. Of course, they live there so much, they have gotten used to the smell for them. Yeah. Now, he lowers himself to that. The king of kings, the lord of lords, who just said a word, boom, and everything existed, lowers himself to fleeing from Herod to Egypt. Can you imagine? And he does it for you. For you. How can you fail to worship him? How can you fail to give him your all? Hallelujah. For me, songs speak to me, eh? Because they ceased to be just songs that excite my body. Eh? They became, I think, on the words. Eh? Even the ones which are, you know, they're, they're nice. The rhythms are nice. I'm still thinking about those words. Eh? Like when Soli Malangu sings, eh? says, When Jesus came down, he came down to Africa. He came down to Israel. When he landed, he landed. In Israel, when there was trouble, he came down to Africa. So we must praise him, praise him in the African way. For me, I'm just thinking, eh, he came down. Then there was trouble. And the king of the whole earth, of the whole universe, fled. Not because he could do nothing, but for your sake. And he, do you know what it means, eh? For the king of an entire universe. To allow people to strip him naked and put him on a cross on display for everyone to see. One of you, if we tell you strip to underwear and stand here just for us to see. <laughs> and him, he was put on a cross and everyone saw him. He's on a public hill and put to shame and embarrassment for you. How can you not worship him? We need to meditate on these things more. We need to think on them more. We need to think on the depth of what it really means. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When I think of these things, they blow my mind. I allow myself to meditate on these things and that's how the revelation hits you and you're like, oh my. What it took. What it took. You know what it means. You're the king of the whole universe. Hmm? And the people you created are making cooing noises at you. As a baby. You can't even express yourself. Because you've limited yourself to developing in a human child. Human body. And they're making goo goo gaga noises at you. You're the king of the whole universe. Can you imagine? The king of the whole universe. And you have to learn how to sit. Then learn how to crawl. Then learn how to walk. 
Can you imagine telling the king of the whole universe? <laughs> now, I mean, just think about it. <laughs> he's the king of the world. He created you. And he's lowered himself to the level. Can you imagine? You, if somehow by some cosmic mistake, you were stuffed into the body of a baby. Ha! You die of frustration. Guy, you are fully aware you're inside there, but somehow when you open your mouth, the all that comes out is, Guga! Guga! You're like, ha! <laughs> Can you just imagine it? You are the Lord of the whole universe and the people you created. Come back. Sit down. I mean, you are the king of the whole universe. They, these people you created, deign to take you to visit the temple created to worship you. And of course you are excited to be at your temple. So you get caught up in a discussion of scripture. Because you are the very embodiment of scripture. And you are there discussing these scriptures with these guys. And they have the audacity to come and rebuke you. We've been looking for you for three days. Where have you been? Do you know how worried me, my father and your father and I were about you? Meanwhile, you're talking to the king of the whole universe. Guy even has, at some point he's like, but don't you know how to be in my father's house? That is love. That is love. How can we fail to worship him when exposed to such love? Hallelujah. Today I want to challenge us. Meditate. Go beyond the surface. Think on these things. Allow them to sink through. Hallelujah. Allow them to to, to come alive in you. Meditate on them until they become alive to you and you begin to think about what it truly means to worship a God of an entire universe. What a privilege it is that he chose you to worship him. Even just thinking about it in your own circumstance. Think about all the friends you have who for all of your efforts have failed to comprehend it and accept Christ. That alone is a privilege. That by his grace, he allowed you to know him. Because you know people who you have preached to, and they have just jammed. And you could, it could have been you who has jammed. It's a privilege to know that by his grace, somehow the gospel was preached and the Holy Spirit convicted you. What a privilege. It could have been worse. You could have been among them. You could be among the guys who wake up in the morning and wail. You could be the guy on that horn speaker waking everyone up in the morning. 
you have been? <laughs> what a privilege it is that you're not among them. Hallelujah. Worshipping him in a language you don't even know. And praying things you don't understand. You know, they told me every single time they pray, they actually pray for Muhammad to make it into heaven. I'm thinking, man, when, who, when will they get around to praying for you? If for him he still needs prayers many years, thousands of years later to enter heaven. Disciple. You could have been among them. That alone is reason to lift your hands and give thanks. And say, Lord, I thank you that I know you. I thank you for the privilege of knowing you as my king, as my Lord. I am thankful that you opened my eyes. They could have been blind. I could have been like them. I am thankful. You don't become arrogant and say, I could have been like them, but I am not. No, instead, you realize eh, that I could have been like them, but for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. You could have been among them. You already have a kasigida because of putting your forehead on the ground all the time. Eh? You know, I thank God. I had the opportunity in my younger years to literally try out everything. I tried out Rubaga Cathedral. I, of course, I tried out Namirembe. I went to Baha'i Temple. I've been to Chibuli Mosque. Yeah, I've tried out all those things, all of them. So for me, I know why I worship. Because I know the other things are empty. I've been there. Properly. I've, yeah, I've gone through Simanya, the seventh luminous mystery. One of those bits, eh? Hail Mary, mother of uh, uh, the, the 14th luminous mystery. I like empty. I've been there. Tried out all those things. Had a nasty experience in the mosque. All that bowing, someone decided to release gas. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I know that posture is very conducive for that activity. <laughs> right in my nose, it was. <laughs> I think it was just the Lord delivering me. <laughs> I'm not repeating that experience. But the privilege of knowing him. Hallelujah. Amen. So today, when he says abide in me, do you know, it's amazing that God is pleading with us to do that, eh? which should be a great privilege for us. Privilege to abide. I mean, David understood it. How do we know David understood it? David says, I was glad when they said unto me, 
Let us go to the house of the Lord. I mean, for him, he'd come to such a revelation eh, that the idea that we are going to the house, it excited him. He didn't wake up and feel like, oh, no service again. I need one more hour of sleep. No, he was excited. Hey, he could barely wait. Because remember, in their time, you could not just get up and go to the house. So, when it would be time to go, he's excited. He's like, man, I've been waiting for this all week. I've been waiting to be in his presence. So, I, I am excited to have a moment to just go and spend in his presence. He's that excited about it. Because he has grasped the immensity of the privilege of worshipping him. He's that excited. I was glad when they said, not even when we got there, when they just said, let's go, he got glad immediately. He got excited thinking about it. I am going to the presence of God. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to have time with him. He, he just got excited. He began to think about it. He began to, because he, Remember, he says he would meditate in his law day and night. So day and night is meditating on him, on his goodness, on everything. That by the time they tell him, now let's go there. He's thinking, ooh, wow, it is time. I've been waiting. I can hardly wait. When is the service starting? Hallelujah. If you grasp that one, eh, you won't have trouble waking up to make it in time. Because you'll be excited. By the time you go to bed at night, you are so excited about coming in the morning that you even wake up two hours before time. Hallelujah. It is because you have not grasped the revelation of who you are serving that you struggle to serve him. Somewhere along the way, you've forgotten the awe, the privilege that you used to feel getting an opportunity. You know the funny part? When you were younger in Christ, eh, having an opportunity to even get up here eh, was something. Then when you start doing so, you begin to take it for granted. That's why we need to continually rediscover. That's why we must continually meditate on his word. As you meditate on his word, it reminds you of who he is. And your knowledge of who he is gives you an understanding of who you are in relation to him. And therefore, how big and immense he is and what a privilege it is that you serve him. Hallelujah. Breakthrough Miracle Life meets every Wednesday in Lunguja from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday for Bible study from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. and on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. For more information, call or WhatsApp 704 89 